there and welcome to another edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by Fans for Fans, where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 140 of the Jersnet Podcast, the flagship show on a Sunday, and it's the final show of this season. I'm your host tonight, I'm Colin Armstrong. As I say to you every week, guys, it's not just the pod we have here at Jersnet, we've got forums, articles, Frankie's got his social media, there's a history archive on the website, loads of stuff. Uh, to get involved in. If it's your first time listening, then we would ask you to subscribe to the pod, leave us a message, put the word out there on social media. Uh, we have over uh, 4,500 subscribers at the moment. So a big thanks to everyone that stuck with us uh, for the last three or four years. The pod's live tonight, uh, but it will be available to download or stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, Spotify, all the usual stuff, guys, that I say at ease uh, every week. Before, before I go on and, and bring my guests in, Two or three congratulations that we need to put out here from Jersey. A big congratulations to Glenn Middleton, who won the Scottish Cup yesterday with St. Johnson. Uh, he missed a penalty, mind you, but uh, it was good to see him get a trophy. A, a, a big congratulations to Barry Ferguson, one of my favourite Rangers players ever, uh, on getting promoted today into the into the Football League with the Kelty Hearts. And uh, Dick Advocate retired today. He, he looked quite emotional on the bench. I saw a clip of him in the video. He was, he was having a wee greet on the bench as he realised his career was coming to an end. Uh, very popular manager, well, certainly in the early uh, stages of his career. So a big congratulations uh, to Dick Advocat and, and best wishes from everyone here at Jersey on his retirement. Now to bring in, it's an array of guests tonight. I've got, I've got a full screen in front of me. Uh, I'm joined by Ross Bennett, John McCallum, Ian Duff, Stuart Weir. Uh, Ross, I'll come to you first. You know, the season's done. This is us sort of wrapping it up. Uh, how are you feeling? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling positive? Because it's been a bit of a funny week. It's definitely been a funny week. Yeah, uh, that's that's true. Um, how am I feeling? Not quite as emotional as Dick Advocat, but um, no, it's. I think we're now at the point where we can look back on the season and reflect with with some kind of clarity. The emotion of last Saturday's died down a wee bit. Um, I felt that our, our discussions last weekend were. Um, it was all a bit tentative because we didn't know how much that you know how mad the media fallout would go. Um, it went pretty it was, mad. It was, it was pretty mad, I. <laughs> pretty mad. So um, I think we handled that okay. But look, it's um, it's been a hell of a season. It was a bit of a shame watching the, the Scottish Cup final yesterday and and knowing that that was an opportunity that, that that we missed. And it was the same with the League Cup final a few months back. But um, yeah, congratulations to St Johnston. Um, I was delighted to see them beat Hibs. Uh, I, I was really pleased. That I thought that was a good a good outcome for us. Um, but altogether, a, a very successful season. So I, I, I won't lie, looking forward to a wee bit of time without football because it really does take over my life. And I know that yeah. my other half is quite happy as well that, that we get a, a few weeks off. But I'm now I'm thinking about heading away on some European qualifying trips. Well, like seeing the Scottish Cup final, I, I, I thought I felt kind of apolitical about it. Like, oh, I'm not that bothered, you know what I mean? And I, I went out for a walk with my wife yesterday. We went out for a sort of eight-mile walk. We were out for a good chunk of the afternoon. And I passed a Hibs fan standing at the bus stop. And he had the, like, he had the kit on. And the minute I caught sight of it, I was like, oh, I hope they bastards get pumped today. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, all of a sudden, I realised the only negative thing about St. Johnson winning it was Stuart Go- uh, Cosgrove, because I can't suffer him, right? But there's so many uh, positives about Hibs getting pumped. You know what I mean? You know, 2016, the fallout for that. Uh, Ryan Porteous, the fact that he got humped, you know. So, as I said, I thought I, I wasn't really bothering, and then I subconsciously found out that I was, and it was good when I got home. I had a text from my mate saying they'd got pumped, so happy with that. Uh, John, I, I wanted to call you because you, you went a bit viral through the week there, commenting on uh, certain events. Yeah, I won't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. I'll remain just talking here when nobody listens. A, a, a wee birdie told me that even BBC Scotland got in touch with you. Yeah, yeah, no. we nearly had a jersey <laughs> ahead of you on Radio Five and and me on Radio Scotland, but I know you know, I, I was uh, I was unable to take up their kind offer. I uh, leave the the proper presenting to you. Well, I didn't know why I go down the road. Eh? I said to Chappers and Chappers said to me, but you know, since, since you brought it up. <laughs> well, <laughs> interestingly enough, I did hear through the week that Chris Sutton was actually up working in Cumbernauld. Was it Monday and Tuesday? So That's I was going to love it. I assume they stayed with you. I assume you and him are big no, mates now. No, not at all. Not at all. No. I'm still a prick. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> anyway. Should he right, says with you? <laughs> I know, I know. I can imagine. Especially if he's in Cumbernauld with some of his pals. Uh, and how are you, Ian? I don't think I've, I've spoke to you in a while. 
Good, good. No, I've not been on for a while. Um, but yeah, Is that why the numbers have been doing, eh? Obviously, yeah, exactly, you know, what can I say? <laughs> Just watch them ticking up now. <laughs> We're going viral as we speak. <laughs> uh, and Stuart, how are you? I've, I, I speak, it feels like I speak to you every Friday on the preview shows. I'm actually, I'm actually really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I wasn't surprised at all about Dick Advocat getting slightly emotional. I remember when Rangers played PSV Eindhoven um, back in '99, 2000. Um, there was a story amongst the, one or two of the local Dutch journalists that during Dick's sojourn across to North America to play football. Um, an Anne Murray song came on the radio and he broke down in tears and immediately booked a flight back. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, it might be, it might be, you know, the little general in football terms, but I think there's a, a softer centre to him. You just need to know what buttons to press. And I think today, you know, he, he's always been, I always found him, you know, terribly, um, you know, giving in terms of his knowledge and his information. He asked him a straight question, he would give you a straight answer. I remember when uh, Rangers signed Tor Andre Flo um, and one of the journalists who was there, uh, I won't name names, asked, and when did you first um, when did you first take notice of Tor Andre Flo? And he pointed to, to me at the press conference and said, why don't you ask your journalist? He told you nine months ago, which is always a wee feather in the cap when he does things <laughs> like that. But it was uh, I, I always found him a good guy to deal with and terribly honest, very professional. And, and I have to say, not somebody who, unlike some, would hold a grudge. I mean, that 99, 2000 team is one of my favourites, I must admit, that year. And I always feel they could have went a wee bit further. Uh, in Europe, you know, if they'd held it in Dortmund that night, I, I think they, they wouldn't have been far away for maybe reaching the final and maybe even going uh, the whole hog. Uh, but guys, we'll, we'll get into I mean, it really has been a, a, a proper strange week. Uh, quite a revealing week, in, in, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, I always knew that Rangers were unpopular, but the, the, the piling uh, this, this week has just been incredible. Uh, but, did someone switch something on? <laughs> no, it's my bottle opener. Oh dear. Sorry. <laughs> and you want it, do you want to hear it? No. <laughs> it's the Richie Benno bottle opener. <laughs> right, Ross, I'll, I'll come to you and away for the bottle opener. Yeah, right. So there was the you know, the, the, we saw the stuff last week in, in George Square. Now, I don't, I don't think we can de- defend some of the stuff that, that, that went on. Uh, but the, the main thing I want to talk about is the, the, the sort of video that, that came out sort of at the, the, the start of the week there. Uh, and almost, I mean, almost instantly, I mean, people were saying it was doctored and all the rest of it. I have to be honest, I, cu- I couldn't hear the alleged, you know, words getting said. It just seemed to me like a bunch of guys singing uh, along to Neil Diamond. But anyway, by the by, so Police Scotland tweeted tweet, sort of very early on in proceedings. We're aware of a video circulating on social media, apparently showing Rangers players using sectarian language while celebrating on Saturday. We're assessing its contents and we'll liaise with the Crown Office and the Procurator Fiscal Service as part of inquiries. Uh, now, the then Justice Minister, uh, whom's a use of he, he sort of weighed in on, on the whole thing, uh, saying, I've also been awa- made aware of this clip, uh, clip, sorry, and I stress, if this clip is genuine, then any player or staff member found to be guilty of anti-Catholic hatred should be shown the door by the club. Now, since then, Police Scotland have come out and said, you know, there's there's been no criminality, there's no no charges here, there's there's, there's no crime taking place, no sectarian language lose. As, as I think we all thought, I, I think it all felt like a bit of nonsense. And I was really surprised at the, the way the media ran with it and how certain individuals, you know, in, 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 in the public forum ran with it. You know, whom's I was, I think he was on the, the, the TV this morning saying he's not going to apologise. Uh, I quite like this one. He said that he, 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 no one could accuse him of taking sides, uh, which is a strange one given what... <laughs> But Timmy supports. Uh, it'd be interesting to hear your views on this because it's. It, I, I believe Rangers are quite angry about this. We'll, we'll come on to speak about their sort of statement in, in, in a bit. But it, it would appear that who, you know whom's is the one that they're, they're really angry with. A lot of Rangers supporters very angry. Do they have a point? They have a point. Um, firstly, I hope you can hear me okay because my headphones died whilst you were doing your wee speech there. So if you can't hear me, I, I apologise. I hope you can. Um, yeah, look, it's uh, 
do they have a point? I think I think people who are from the Rangers family feeling angry absolutely have a point. And I'm I'm certainly not one to try and turn this show political because firstly I don't think I don't think that's what we're here to do. And it would be very disingenuous of me to be talking about Scottish politics considering I've I've lived away from Scotland since the age of six. So I'll put that out there. I can't can't really speak with authority on Scottish political matters. However, do we have a point uh, or a right to feel angry about the events of this week? I think absolutely we do. I think um, it, you, actually it's a good point, Colin. You mentioned earlier about when it comes to Hibs versus St. Johnson in the Scottish Cup, you felt fairly apolitical or fairly neutral. There's no such thing in Scottish football, in my opinion. Very, very difficult to be apolitical in Scottish football and, and everyone has a point of view. And of course, when you're, when you're Hamza and you, you know, tweeted photos of yourself wearing a Celtic strip, your point of view is fairly, fairly open. Same for, for Mr. Dornan, who's an MSP in, in Glasgow. Um, and I think, you know, the rights or wrongs of police Scotland tweeting out a message to say, we're investigating. Maybe they had to do that because of the volume of inquiries that they were getting from bitter Celtic fans saying he's, you know, they're singing sectarian songs. Maybe, maybe police Scotland had to do that. And maybe it was an unwise move or whatever, but, I think you have some politicians there, some journalists who have been so desperate, so desperate for a crime to have taken place. Or It doesn't even matter if a crime took place because simply by saying if and only if they've been proven to do this, then, then it's a disgrace and should be sacked. No, it becomes irrelevant whether that happened. By the way, of course it didn't happen. Of course, Glenn Kamara and Joe Aribo are not singing anti-Catholic songs. Like, obviously, obviously. But I think the events of this season where Rangers took a position of anti-racism, of very prominent, and Rangers, by the Rangers' message of anti-racism has been so prominent over the last three years with the Everyone Anyone campaign. But this season, when Rangers were kind of thrust into the global spotlight in a position of you know, being the victims of racist abuse, it seemed to upset people because it seemed to say, oh, I, wish, I wish it had been someone else that had been the victims of racist abuse. Because uh, we quite like painting Rangers as being the racist abusers, you know. And so I think when that happened, people sort of had to go, oh, what a terrible shame that Glenn Kamara has been the victim of racist abuse. But here we go. Now, now we can paint them. They're the bad guys again. Phenomenal. We can, we can yeah. forget all about that. And it, it, it's completely irrelevant whether they did or whether they didn't. Hamza and James Dornan and, and all of these journalists who, who drew attention to that video, they all knew it was fake. A fucking TikTok logo in the video. Everyone knew it was fake, but it didn't matter. It, it doesn't matter that it's fake because you can draw attention to it. You can put, and I've seen that, you know, James Dornan this evening is still kind of holding that line of saying, but it's not been proved that it was fake. They've just said that they're not taking any criminal action. So he's still going with this. He's still yeah. going. Um, he said, I've contacted Police Scotland to see if they can actually prove that the video was fake. So all of this talk of if it's proved to be fake, I'll apologise is, is nonsense because it will never be, you know, Police Scotland, I'll tell you now, they'll respond to that and they'll say, we're not going to comment on police investigations. So that's, the, there will never be a categorical statement from Police Scotland saying that video was fake. Therefore, there will never be public apologies made. Um, and that's it. They've, they've, they've achieved their purpose. I'm so disappointed, but not surprised, I suppose. And, and I think we have the right to feel angry because I think that people have been so desperate, so desperate to paint Rangers in the position of the villain again. And it was hurtful to people when Rangers were the victim, quite rightly the victim. Our guy was abused, racially abused on international television. Um, I think it hurt people to sort of have to feel sorry for a Rangers player in that way. And as soon as they can grasp to something to say Rangers are the bad guy again, it's the same with all of this anti-Catholic abuse that went on last weekend. If, if there was, and, and I completely agree, folk who were tearing up George Square and causing violence and disorder, no excuse. Absolutely no one will defend that. And if there was vile anti-Catholic abuse, no excuse for that. But from the people who were actually there, uh, it, again, it doesn't seem to matter whether it was whether it was true or not, whether there was, because it's it's easy for a politician to tweet that there was, and it's completely unverifiable. But I'll say that there was, and therefore there was, and that's the narrative. And I think that that's it, Rangers have no defence to that, and Rangers fans have no defence. And again, we as a collective of the 
hundreds of thousands of people that follow this club from a mass. And, and I think that's probably the, the point of, of John's tweets uh, last weekend. A massively diverse fan group across the globe, all ages, nationalities, genders, everything. And yet we're all painted the same way. And, and the thing with the video is it doesn't even matter that it wasn't true. There's your opportunity and, and we can kind of reset the status quo. It's, it's sick, in my opinion. I mean, we, we all know what Stuart thinks of the SNP and, and that kind of politicians from, from Stuart's Twitter timeline. I'm sure he's got stronger words than I do, but um, I thought it was horrible. Ian, Ed, I mean... <laughs> I mean, you're a similar you're a similar age to myself, and it, it, it kind of feels that we we grew up with you know the same experiences, you know, Subutio and all that kind of thing, and and, and the, the Rangers teams of the eighties and all that. I mean, I'm surprised at the at the pile in this week, you know, the the way that the, the sort of situation that Ross is talking about there, the absolute bloodlust, people are actually desperate for it to be true, you know, and and when it's proved otherwise, you know, I, what surprised me this morning was you know. When Humza was asked if he, he would apologise, he diverted away from the video and spoke about George Square and said, "Oh, the scenes last week were unforgivable," but that's not what the situation was about. You know, he spoke specifically about that video, and there's a lot of people feel, you know, he's, he's facing political pressure from from you know opposition parties. And I know, like Ross is saying, he doesn't want it to be political, but it feels like it's getting that way because there's other people getting involved. You know, other MSPs uh, calling for him to apologise. Their view is that. You know, as as the the current justice minister, he shouldn't have been commenting on a on a live case. I mean, is is that how you see it? And 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 how surprised are you at just how much? It's almost like there's a desire for 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 Rangers to be to be caught out here, and for the the supporters to be caught out. And you know that bloodlust that I was talking about. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for, first of all, I mean, absolutely, the justice minister should not be commenting on a live case. I mean, that is the fundamental, and. You know, if, if Pretty Patel was commenting on a, a live criminal case in England, then people would be raging at it. And the, the exact same situation, you know, applies in Scotland. He's he's effectively the or he was effectively the, the Home Secretary. So he's responsible for overseeing the, the justice system. He should not be preempting the outcome in any way of a of a live criminal investigation and not just preempting it, but actually suggesting that uh, if people are uh, are found guilty, then then this is the punishment that they re- they should receive. I mean, apart from anything else, in what way does he have any jurisdiction over whether Rangers sack people or not? I mean, it's not even it's not even his uh, his position to to comment on a private company's uh, hiring and firing position. Um, I mean, the, the whole thing was just ridiculous. And honest. I mean, I, 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 over the years, I've been I've seen a lot of stuff that's happened. A lot of people commenting on things that are relating to Rangers, and some of it justified, I suppose, but a lot of it just hysterical. But this week has really been, you know, the, the beginning of this week is just the strangest situation that I think I've ever I've ever seen in all those years. I mean, it really just was surreal at some points. I could not believe that. First of all, the police were commenting on it and investigating it, and then the the, the justice minister was coming out and saying it again. And you're you're, you're right, as people desperate for that to be true. And but to some extent, as as Ross said, they weren't. They, it didn't really matter whether it was true or not, because all they wanted was to have the justification to be able to make the comments that they were making. And by the police investigating it, then that gave them that justification to be able to do that. So, in the end, I, I'm sure the vast majority of people who probably knew it wasn't true anyway, uh, or wasn't real anyway, uh, didn't care whether it was found to be real or, or otherwise, because all they uh, wanted was half that opportunity to pile on to Rangers at, at, at that point. And one of the most disturbing elements of it was the the vitriol that uh, Kamara faced, yeah. because you're right, because the, the, there, was, there was this sort of reluctance to, you know, when he was the victim of uh, racial abuse, people felt that they had to uh, be sympathetic and they had to condemn it. Uh, and that there was a, it felt at the time that there was a reluctance to do that and it was done sort of under under some sort of duress. And the second that he was even sort of closely involved in this in, in any way, it just turned on him specifically and he was the one who was getting the abuse and he was the one who was being singled out for, for abuse. And again, you just think, 
you know, what what's what's driving that? What's what's motivating that? What you know, it seemed to go beyond just the usual sort of we hate Rangers thing. It just seemed to be more more vitriol, more more bitterness than 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 I've seen in in in, in ten, fifteen years. And you know, you know, fueled by people who really should know better. Basically, I mean, you know, you're talking about elected officials here or, or elected representatives here who, who have a, a responsibility and who clearly know who their voters are and and, uh, and know it's safe enough to, to just uh, fire in. But, you know, talking about the, whether it's political or not, um, again, I don't, I don't really want to get involved in the politics of it, but I think, you know, it's fairly obvious that um, if the thousands of people who were in George Square last weekend were waving uh, Irish flags or Scottish flags and weren't waving Union Jacks, then I don't think we would have been seeing anywhere near the levels of condemnation that there's been. And for right, rightly or wrongly, Rangers and our fans have positioned ourselves here and the Scottish establishment, as it is just now, is positioned here and we're at loggerheads all the time. So anything that happens... Because the, the the you know the SNP political uh, people despise everything that they think Ranger stands for, then as soon as there's an opportunity, then they're they're going to jump in on it, and 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 that's what I think we a larger element of what we saw this week because it wasn't just the people who you might say are Celtic minded, if that's uh, the phrase uh, we would use. It was people across the the sort of nationalist. Uh, political spectrum uh, who probably aren't interested in football in the slightest don't have any football affiliations necessarily but they just see Rangers as the enemy and this was an opportunity for them to go out there and, and say well you you know you don't come into our city and wave your flags in our city this this is this is our domain and, and I think that was what drove a lot of the, the really vitriolic stuff Sure, uh, the Rangers. You know, once once Police Scotland had announced that the you know there was no criminality, that this this thing never happened. And 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 uh, as Ross had pointed out, you know, there's several Catholic players in that video. That the, the absolute thought that they would indulge in that sort of thing is just a nonsense. And that's what really pissed me off about the whole thing. But uh, I mean, that's kind of by the by. You know, once Police Scotland had came out and said, you know, no charges here, no criminality. This didn't happen. There was no there was no sectarian singing. Rangers issued a statement saying, you know, that, that you know they've been proven correct that the players held the highest standards, all that kind of thing, and that they were taking uh, legal action against, and I quote, certain individuals. So it feels like even although you know last week's done now and that sort of hyperbole is is dying down, it feels like this could be the start of more drama. You know what I mean? Involving the yeah. club now, and I understand that the club needs to defend itself, but it, it just feels like. You know, we're, we're, we just get dragged through that stuff all the time, and and a lot of the time, I don't think it's Rangers' fault. I just think it's the the club trying to defend itself. But it fe- as I said, it feels like this is the start of another long process. But I think almost immediately, Police Scotland could have come out and said, "This is, you know, these complaints have either been made by crackpots or this video is an absolute fake." I mean, you know, probably be aware of a period in time when if you played Black Sabbath. Uh, records in reverse, you heard satanic voices, and and this was akin to that, you know, and it was like an episode of Lloyd Grossman in Through the Cake Hole, you know here's seven nationalities and probably about four different religions all singing about the Pope I don't think so, uh, and the, and one of the ringleaders is um, you know Germain Defoe, who I think was educated at um, St Bond School, which is a, you know in the in the Archdiocese of Brentwood. You know I don't think he'd be singing these kind of things. I I, I all thought it was terribly terribly p- pathetic. We're in a situation this without getting political, but we are in a situation in Scotland just now where people are not being held to account. Um, you know, Ian mentioned if Pretty Patel had said something like that, she would have had the Attorney General on the phone immediately say, you cannot say these things. We have no such, uh, you know, locks and barriers and uh, on these kind of things in Scotland. People can get away with saying whatever they like and then come out and say, oh, I'm really sorry, or not say that they're sorry, which is which is even worse. And then, you know, only today come out with double standards that just beggars belief. And I think Rangers are absolutely right. And I think, it, you know, I think 
it's probably time that certain individuals and in, okay Rangers uh, are doing this to protect uh, their name but I think it's right that certain individuals or certain organisations did this just to call those who apparently are or allegedly who are governing this country uh, that being Scotland are held to account for some of the things that they actually do and I think there was just a piling during the week and, and what shocked me um, I, or disappointed me was the actual piling from news organisations that it was almost like they took the, the, the lead from the Justice Secretary um, and, and said, well, if he's saying these things, therefore it must be right. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I think I, I, I learned uh, or was taught at a different school when it came to newspaper journalism, what you could and couldn't say, what you should do in ter terms of your checks and balances. Um, you know, I could, I could have seen one or two editors that I worked for would have read the riot act and been showing some people the door probably by Tuesday morning if they'd done the same. And that 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 just doesn't seem to be there in certain media organisations. Rangers are entitled to defend themselves and they will have targeted certain individuals and be looking upon every single word that they have said uh, during this period during the, during the last week and, in particular, what they have said on social media and the likes before that. And some of it makes fantastic reading. John, uh, with regards to the, the sort of whitewashing of every Rangers supporter, and this is sort of, I'm, I'm, I've sort of saved this question for you based on your tweet because I, I, I related to quite a lot of that. I, I, I'm probably a wee bit too defensive when it comes to Rangers. You know, when, when they get criticised, I take that quite personally because I take supporting Rangers quite seriously. You know, I always try and represent the club in the best possible way when I'm supporting them. When I'm, when, if I'm travelling away games, if I'm travelling to home games, you know, you, you don't just travel amongst your own supporters. You, you, you share public transport, you're in the city with, with, with normal members of the public and I always try and represent Rangers the best way and I've, I've always tried to teach my son to do the same. Right, So that's sort of... The other thing that came out last week was this sort of whitewashing of every supporter, every Rangers fan has been anti-Catholic, unionist, all this kind of thing, right? That really annoyed me because, I mean, I'm, I, I don't believe in any God. You know, I'm completely, you know, would you call it atheist and that kind of thing. So I don't care what, as long as it doesn't impinge on me, I don't care what people's personal religious beliefs are. And the, the thought that I'm being told that I'm anti-Catholic because of the football club that I support, I have a serious issue with that. That really pisses me off. And there was a, there was a story in the Scotsman, uh, I can't even remember her name, was it Helen Martin or something like that? She, and she actually made a point that some of her tweets came out and at one point she was saying no one intelligent should still be supporting Rangers. So it's this kind of, I've argued this for a while, there's a feeling that, I mean, I look at the Rangers support and the Celtic support and I, I don't think there's a huge difference. You know, the, you know, they've, they've, they've both got connections to Ireland. Uh, they both come from the same sort of demographic, the same areas. I don't think there's a huge difference. I think the difference in the reputation is based on our reputation is based on the minority, which causes bother, and their reputation is based on the majority, which is you know decent match going supporters. And so it really pissed me off. So I, 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 I really liked your tweet that you put out. I, I thought it. it didn't it just speak for you? I think it spoke for a few of us. It certainly spoke for me that I was being I was being told that I'm anti-Catholic. I'm, I'm a, you know, a hooligan, a vandal, or this or that. I was in I was in George Square for about forty five minutes to an hour last week. I didn't indulge in any anti-Catholic chanting. I stood with my son. We had a beer and then we left. And I have to be honest, I didn't see a huge amount of disruption at that point. It may have turned uglier after we left. We left at about eight o'clock, as I said. But that's what makes me think that the whole thing's a, a, a sort of a piling and, it, and it's, it's been exaggerated. But this thing that every Ranger supporter are, are, are the things that, you know, people like Graham Spears say, that that, that woman in the, 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 the uh, what do you call it? The Scotsman earlier on this week, it, that pisses me off. And I think that's something that as supporters we need to, we need to fix and we need to deal with. The article in the... the um Helen Martin wrote, and I think it's actually the Edinburgh Evening News that she wrote it in, but I think on online it's all, all the same. I, I, I've never read anything like that outside of a Celtic fanzine. I was just astonished that that was published. Um, I, actually, I, I actually made it, for the first time in my life, 
I made a complaint to Ipso about that. Because I, I just, it's just on, it's not normal what she was writing. You know, I'll, I'll quote it for you. She actually wrote along, along with that, they are giving the impression, if not a vow, of threatening the majority of the country who voted against Brexit and who want to leave the UK, the UK and join the EU. Unionist politicians don't physically fight, but unionist sectarian rangers could. She actually wrote that in an article. Yeah. And I read that and it's almost deranged. You know, you just think, well, where did that come from? How did she distill that comment from, I don't know, a few hundred guys who'd spent the entire Saturday getting drunk and ended up getting into a fight on, on Saturday night? I, I just, just beyond me. And, and Stuart or Ian, I think, picked up on something. I, I think part of the anger, part of the annoyance that some people felt was seeing this large group of people um, coming through Glasgow City Centre, uh, some of whom are carrying union flags. And that did seem to annoy some people. And I think from that, they've, they've read into that a great deal of stuff that just frankly wasn't there. Yeah. So... How does that make me feel? Well, it makes me feel quite annoyed because, you know, they are making decisions based on the football team that I support. They are then saying, oh, well, you must be this, you must be that, you must be this. Utter nonsense. You know, a very good friend that I, I literally made through Jersnet, you know, is, is you know, I don't be careful how I choose because he does, it's up to him if he wants to come, you know, talk about these things. But he is, he is a, a, a politician, in Scotland, okay, uh, for for a nationalist party, okay, and he's a big range of support, okay, and he's hardly the only one, you know. Um, I don't know what percentage of Scotland is is, is range of support, but if you if someone is telling me that that in amongst their support there is nobody who voted for the SNP, there's nobody who vote, who, who supports Scottish independence, there's nobody who um, is is probably practicing. Catholic, there's will be Muslims. I mean, it's just I, I just find it quite dispiriting that that in 2021 that people still seem to hold these views because they are, as far as I'm concerned, so far from reality and the reality of, of things. And, and how you described yourself there as as basically not you know as, as as not even being someone who believes in religion. I suspect certainly based on the last census is probably actually now the predominant view um, of, of our support. It certainly seems to be the predominant uh, view amongst working class areas in, in central Scotland. You know, religion has has become a thing that is not part of people's lives. You know, for a lot of people, okay? Um, it's not a part of their lives. And yet, for some reason, when something like this happens, it, it, it seems to be nailed on. So I, I find that um, I was angry and on Sunday morning. I was really quite angry reading some of the things I was reading. And, and, and you know, this, like you say, you know, I, there's five of us on this. And I'll guarantee the five of us will disagree on a whole host of subjects. We will have different views on a whole host of subjects. Pretty much the only thing we'll agree on is, well, pretty much the only thing we're all guaranteed to agree on is, is that we would like Rangers to win football matches. And then once we get a bit deeper than that, and we, we're going to, I know we're going to talk about you know players of the year and things like that, we'll all start disagreeing again. Because that that's what communities and, and that's what areas are, are made up of. That's what cities are built. And people have different views and things. Um, and I don't know if this, I still can't decide if this is deliberate, if it's a deliberate attempt at creating an us and them, if this is just simply a, a symptom of social media, of people being, of people being constantly shown arguments, discussions, articles that reinforce what they already believe, and and they're no longer seeing, you know, and in the, and in the, in, you know, when I was, you know, when I was growing up, you know, you, you would get national newspapers in, and even you know, even national newspapers that were perhaps had a certain editorial, you know, I mean, the Daily Record was was always a Labour supporting newspaper, the you know, left of centre newspaper, you know, you got opposing views in it. You were exposed to opposing views on all sorts of subjects. You know, you knew what other people believed. Often you didn't agree with it, but at least you knew it. I actually 
I'm, I kind of worry now that people like like Helen Martin, um, people like 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 Hamza Yusuf. I just worry that these people don't actually have any any grasp of of the people who live around them. You know, I, I think a thing I said in in in, that, in my tweet was that you know Ranger supporters aren't the en enemy. You know, we're, we're your next door neighbours. We're the guys that work beside you. And and if you live in Central Scotland and you don't know any Ranger supporters. Then, then you are there's something very wrong with how you are living your life because you must know Ranger supporters and you must know that Ranger supporters are not all, you know, card carrying psychopaths. They are not all people who, you know, they're not all members of, of the Orange Lodge. Some of them are. You know, well, that's fine. You know, if that's what somebody chooses to do with their time, then then that's absolutely up to them. You know, that it's, you know, that, we live in a democracy. But you know, from what I gather, the Orange Lodge has about ten thousand members in Scotland. Yeah. You know, it's it's a very very small organisation. And it, it's going down. It's, 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 it's a dying organisation, John. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's a support. Suggest that all religious supporters hold those views. It's absolutely bizarre. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I find it very very frustrating because I can't decide. I still said I can't decide whether it's deliberate. I can't decide whether this is this is this is all part of some strategy to, to create an us and them to separate and I can't figure out why that would be in anybody's interests just genuinely can't um, or whether it is just people who are just ignorant you know, if it's literally stupidity you know if this is happening by accident but either way at some point somebody has to step in and say look stop because you know increasingly we people will be pushed into camps you know increasing particularly when politicians get involved you know I mean there was a an article yesterday in the Scotsman, um, written by a, a Conservative councillor in Edinburgh. Um, and I think it was basically the Scotsman's attempt at, at kind of maybe balancing up after the, the, the article. And it was it was an interesting article. Um, you know, the guy made a number of very, very valid points. But it was interesting they had to go and find a Conservative councillor to write that. You know, and I don't know. I've lived in Northern Ireland. You know, and I, I've, I like Northern Ireland. I love the people in Northern Ireland. I do not want their politics here. You know, you don't want that here. That you don't want to get to a point where people vote a certain way based on ethnicity and not based on you know what would be the best thing for your community, what would be the best thing for the economy, what would be the best thing for the health service, or or things like that that I think used to matter to how people voted in this country. And and I, I I am concerned, and I'm you know I have political views. I've voted in for for pretty much all of the main parties except for one in my lifetime, um, and uh, you know I, my views. I refuse to allow myself to be put into a stereotype. I, I refuse. I'm not going to let any of these politicians do that to me. You know I, I'm I'm too old and I'm too stubborn. Um, and you know, me supporting Rangers tells you nothing about nothing else about what I believe. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And that was one of the things that really, really frustrated me last week. The, the, the sort of whitewashing of everyone, every Rangers supporter, you know, based on that. I mean, what we're we talking about in George Square last week, 20 arrests. Yeah. So they're basically saying 29 arrests or something like that, right? They're basically saying every single person that was arrested is representative of of everyone that, that goes to Ibrox or everyone that supports Rangers and, and uh, I, I must admit that that properly uh, pissed me off guys I mean we're, we're, we're burning through time here uh, and I, I don't think we're going to get through the agenda so I'll, I'll, I'll quickly go around you all I don't think we can ignore some of the scenes from last week you know and, and it, there is an element within the support Ross, how do we deal with this? How do we how do we deal with this? Because I, I I'm I'm starting to, to form the view that us as supporters now need to to take a stand against this. You know, what I mean, the, the the decent supporters that go to games that don't want involved in this sort of stuff need to start. I don't know whether it be a supporters charter or something, but we need to start having a voice now because if we if if we don't speak up. You know, you see what happens. The vacuum's filled by the media taking, well, those 29 people are obviously representative of the Rangers support as a whole. So how do we get around this? Because I, I, I've got to be honest with you, I, I am sick to the back teeth. Uh, I, I call it the look. You know, if, if you're if you're with a new group of people and you introduce yourself and football comes up and you say you're a Rangers supporter, there's always someone instantly kind of gives you that look as if, okay, and you're just like, right, okay, you've just you've just simply prejudged me there. You've made all these assumptions based on what John was saying there. 
you know, I've told you I'm a Rangers supporter, so you've made several assumptions on that straight away. So how do we deal with this? How do we improve the image of the wider majority of the, of the support of the fan base? Yeah, tricky. I mean, I think we're in a position now where self-policing is difficult because I think, I, I, I don't know, we've been kicked and prodded so much that we're now all just going to close ranks and, 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 and group together and and self-policing will be difficult in that way. A supporters' charter, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what that is. That going to achieve much? Um, Rangers, I think, as a club, Rangers has been very, very proactive. At, you know, it's quite simply tearing up the season tickets of those who caused mischief. I think a lot of the time, those that cause mischief are not season ticket holders, and that possibly tells you a little bit more about this problem. Um, and, and maybe does allude to kind of what we'll be talking about here is that. It's not. It's not your typical. We've got five guys on this call here who I'd say are all pretty typical Rangers supporters, um, and we're not the ones out there causing disorder. Um, so Rangers, as a club, I think do take strong action. I would have liked in the last week, and I don't. I don't mean for this to sound critical, but one of our major shareholders in the club is a fan organisation, and I think there has to be more of a role for for them. Um, I think Club eighteen seventy two needs to be a bit more vocal. I know that it's always been plagued as any other kind of Rangers fan group has been plagued by internal politics and fighting and uh, that, that kind of thing. Um, but I'd have liked to have seen a little bit more from them. And, and, and if I've missed that, then I'll hold my hands up. Um, but I, I think that's, I think that's where it has to come from. It has to come from a place of influential fan groups being a bit more visible. Um, and maybe that's us. Maybe there's a role for us in that. In, in you know trying to be a responsible voice of the fans um, uh, and you know other fan Rangers is doing a huge amount in terms of fan media as we know it's very supportive of fan media and fan content and, and kind of shutting away traditional sectors of the media um, and, and so maybe we need to use that voice very responsibly and maybe that's something we can work with the club to do is okay let's 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 all promote fan media and we can promote sensible messaging through through these outlets. So I think with things like Club 1872, like us and other podcasts, we need to use that voice sensibly, um, both to our own fans, and uh, which I think we do, because, again, I think we represent the fans pretty well. Um, but also show, show the world, this is what a Rangers fan is. I am a Rangers fan. Um, we, we all are, and, and we're, not, we're not nasty, evil, scary, racist, sectarian folk. We're normal, decent, hardworking, vast range of backgrounds and educational standards and, and religions and political views. And I think I think we, as a fan voice, need to step up in that way. Right, guys, as I said, we're kind of, we're already sort of three quarters of the way through the show and we've, we've not even finished the first agenda item. So we were going to talk about player of the year. Uh, I, I don't think we can talk about it too much. I will simply go around... Uh, and ask you who he's voted for because uh, Frankie put out the the Jers Net Player of the Year, but us the contributors had a uh, to the podcast had a, a separate vote. So Ross, who did you vote for? So I voted for uh, Alan McGregor. Agreeing, Alan McGregor, agreeing with the uh, was it the journalists that gave him the award? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I went for Stephen Davis. Ian, who did you go for? James Tavernier for me. James Tavernier. Sure, I think you went with McGregor. I think we've had this conversation before. Everybody yeah. else is wrong. <laughs> well, see, I'm saying the same thing. I think you are all wrong. I can't believe that anyone else was even in the equation other than uh, Stephen Davis. Hey, John, who did you Tav, go for? Tav for me. Tav, so... Season. We, go, we have a winner. So yeah. we've got two for Tav, we've got two for McGregor and one for uh, Stephen Davis. As I said, you're all wrong. Uh, well, I can I can reveal that the the Rangers player of the year from the Jersnet contributors is... James Tavernier. So, well done to James. I'm sure Frankie will, I don't know, he'll send him a HMV voucher or something like that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and all with that. So, a big congratulations to James. Uh, I mean, yeah, as he said, a great season. I can't deny it. I mean, uh, I know I said there that Stephen Davis should have won it, but I mean, there were so many candidates this season. That it's, it's just been... It's There's a strong been, argument to say that uh, so, there wasn't a player of the year in some ways, because that, for me, more than ever, this season's been about teamwork and it's been uh, about the team overall. So, uh, you know, I always feel unfair picking out individuals, because look at 
Goldson and uh, and McGregor and everyone uh, who, who's contributed so so much, you know, and you think it's unfair to leave them out. So, uh, you know, if 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 I was being let's all be uh, happy together, uh, I would uh, I would give it to the the whole team. In nineteen seventy four, the the football writers actually gave the Player of the Year award to the Scotland squad that qualified for the World Cup. Now I know that might have been exceptional, but given the fact that Rangers had four players. Yeah. Uh, uh, amongst the football writers with the, the, all the nominations was the first time it ever happened and Morelis wasn't even one of them and there's one or two other guys you could have you could argue there. there was others that could have been on that list yeah, as well right. so I mean could you know I, I mean it has I mean the, I think most seasons there's maybe one or two you know and in some seasons there's, there's always just like one standout candidate you know you're just like, that's going to be the player of the year this year, you know, I mean, we've, we've seen it there now, you know, a variety of views and, and all that kind of thing. And I think it's just, it's representative of, of, of how good Rangers have been this year, as, as Ian said, as a team, they've just performed uh, magnificently. Hey guys, before we go on to the, the, the next uh, agenda item, I'll, I'll discuss uh, one of our partners that is uh, Football Prizes and up for grabs just now is Yanis uh, Hadji signed Rangers shirt. It's an uh, it's a lovely bit of kit actually it's, a, it's in a sort of LED frame signed by Yanis Hadji the tickets cost £6.95 uh, there's 99 tickets available I think there's 26 of those left so if you want a chance to, to, to win that uh, buy a ticket at uh, www.footballprizes.co.uk uh, and you'll see it on there and no doubt Frankie will have it on his uh, social media this week the closing date is this Wednesday at 8.30pm so if you if you want a chance to win that get onto the website £6.95 and that'll give you a chance to win that uh, kit. Uh, guys now I, I wanted to discuss the sort of uh, a sort of positive thing and, and something I think that, that's, that's been sort of missed throughout the, the sort of mayhem of the last week you know you know Rangers have won the league from from a point of starting at the lowest part of the hill you know and they've climbed up it over the last you know five six years and I was keen to get some of your your, your memories on that uh, I, I mean I've got a few bad ones and a, and a few good ones uh, Ian I'll start with you in this I mean uh, when we went down in 2012 I mean how did you feel then did you feel that oh, it was just two, three years we'll be back up and everything will be back to normal? Or did, or did you foresee that things would be a bit trickier than that? And and, and how how did you feel emotionally? Well, I think I think the overriding emotion at the time was angry. You know, that, that was a, the, the the reaction because I felt that really the, the war had been really hard, hard done by. And at that point where it started again, I was really angry with... Uh, the way the way the club had been treated, um, I mean the anger continued, but uh, a lot of it transferred over to some of the individuals that were actually within the club and 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 how they were running the club, and it, it almost took away from the from the uh, the original uh, sort of uh, culprits, I suppose. Um, I mean, my, I mean, I've, looking back at the that the the, the, the the journey, I mean, I, to be honest, if I'm perfectly honest, I've hated it. I just you know. Almost the entire time of it, I've hated. Uh, the, the highlight for me was literally the first game or the first home game uh, against East Fife um, when I felt there was an element of togetherness and positivity that uh, I didn't know if we would ever see again. And there was, uh, you know, we're queuing up to get into the ground. I went to that game with my uh, my dad and my son, which is the only time I've ever, all three generations of us have ever been to a game together. And uh, and for me that was a point that you know at some points I didn't think I'd ever see. So uh, I was that that was almost the best point. The next seven years or however long it was, I mean, you could argue that there was about two or three highlights throughout that, I mean, and even they weren't exactly uh, you know major highlights. And until this season, you know. The outcome of this season has been, you know, what what it means to me basically is that things are back to normal almost, and and you know, all that hell is behind us now, and and no matter what happens now, and I strongly believe this that no matter what happens now, the club's in a much stronger place than it was ten years ago before before uh, uh, before any of this even happened, or twelve years ago before it even happened, um, and and that's that's the. The, the positive out of it but for the last 10 years I mean there's barely been a moment of that I've thought oh this is fun 
because that was how we started off. This is fun. That ended very quickly. I mean, that, 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 was, that was not fun. Still uh, an Albion. That, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was when that ended. Still an Albion result. I was like, oh, nah, this is, I'm not enjoying this anymore. <laughs> that, 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 I mean, that first season was, you know, hard to believe now, but I mean, it was just absolute. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. I mean, you know, and, and a lot of the seasons beyond that didn't get much better. So, I mean, yeah, I'm delighted it's over, to be quite honest. Stuart, any sort of key moments or memories from, from, from the journey getting back to the top? Um, I, 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 was, I was speaking to my eldest daughter about this um, during the course of the week. Um, I, and we were on to the subject of, of season tickets. And, you know, how the season ticket holder, anybody put money into the club, anybody who said they knew where that money was going were a step ahead of the game than I was, in all seriousness. I know if, if somebody had said that uh, three of the board directors are, you know, shyster, shyster and shyster, I would have believed them because that's what it felt like for a period of time. And, and the, the you know, you've gone from watching Rangers as most of it ha- uh, have have done in terms of Champions League qualification and Champions League matches and watching them in really big games and even, you know, European finals. And and I was sent tickets by the club for a Sunday afternoon game. I think it was against Montrose. And, and I, I was trying to work out my, my son at that point in time, Callum, would have been, he'd just have turned, he'd be seven and Rangers eventually won 4-1 and just after half time he turned to me and said this isn't very good is it <laughs> and, and and you know something it was like one of the it was like the penny just dropped and it was no you're right it was you're sitting at Ibrox and you're watching something because you think this is right and proper and it wasn't right and proper the level that Rangers were playing up was abysmal and the team wasn't much better and you know I, I, I entirely agree with with, with Ian's um, summation there about you know 10 years being you know it started out as being fun and then it, it became something very very different and I think I, I don't I, I cannot remember any anything I would say was close to being a highlight up until up until the arrival of Stephen Gerrard. I would say that was the kind of seminal moment. That was a kind of the moment where you actually thought, yeah, Rangers are back to somewhere near normality. And when that happened, that made people believe again. And it was a real pickup. For for the for the for the spirits which were at an all time low for a great many years, John, it, it feels like the, the the achievement, you know, the, the coming back from there because the, the, there was points there. I questioned if we would ever get back, you know. Even once once we got back to the top flight, we, we still seemed a long way off what what we needed to be to. to Put a challenge and never, never, never mind actually win it. Is that sort of been lost? You know, it, I don't really know why, but but it seems like you know to to start off in Division Three and and to get where we are deserves a bit of credit. And the supporters, we deserve a lot of credit for, for sticking by the club through that. Now I know at one point there was like boycotts and all that kind of thing, and attendances were hit. But in the main, I mean, I can remember the the, the first home game and and in the, the third division I think it was against East Stirlingshire in the league I, ran th- I, got, I went through on the day you know, I got a wee bit of alarm bells ringing I went to the ticket office to buy my ticket and they weren't accepting cards it was all cash and that was in this wee porter cabin and and I sort of lock up you know and I was just like this is very dodgy oh, no cards mate just cash uh, I was in the club deck that day but it was a full house you know, and I this was at Rangers. This wasn't at East. This no, wasn't no, East this, this was at Ibrox. Aye. <laughs> it was in money. You know, you know, you know, one of the wee things, the wee sort of industrial estates at the back of the Brimland, the, yeah. the, the Brimland Road stand. We had to go in there to get tickets. It was like a wee porter cabin, getting sold out a window. Nay, cards, mate, or cash. And it was all getting 
I don't know where I don't know where that cash was going, but it felt very very dodgy. But then when you were on the ground, it felt very positive because there's fifty five thousand folk in there to see Rangers against East, East Stirlingshire, and I don't think many teams would have that level of support at that level in the game. And I don't think many many clubs would could count on that support all the way through. And at a point, I mean, last week Rangers fans were getting a kick in for everybody, for all sort of you know media politicians and that kind of thing. I think. That's been lost in all this. The fact that we we stood, uh, me and my son went to a lot of games supporting Rangers in, in, in the lower leagues to the point that my son didn't know any different. He thought that's where Rangers played because you know yeah. that's all he knew. And we've we've I've sat there watching Celtic, you know, stuff as five on at Ibrox and, and and took it, and went away home and licked my wounds. And I think that's been lost. I think the supporters we deserve a huge amount of credit for for sticking by the team through this journey. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be holding your breath, forgetting it, but you're dead right. You know, I mean, that's the one constant all the way through this has been the support, um, and the support has been support's been unwavering. You touched upon the boycott, and that was certainly one of the lows for me was this realization that the club was in the hands of people who who didn't have the same. I'll choose my words carefully here. They didn't have the <laughs> same desire for what the club should do that I did, that the current directors do. You know, they, you know, we're easy pleased. Just win. You know, that's all you need to do. You know, entertain us whilst you're doing it, that's even better. But, you know, just go out there and win. And with the resources that Rangers have, Rangers should be winning far more games than they lose and they should be challenging for trophies every season. And that, you know, in the nature of, of where Rangers are, and I, I, I might sound arrogant, but let's be realistic, that's that's how Scottish football should should be with the resources we have. There was a... I remember watching his play Queen's Park at Hamden. Um, and it was odd being at Hamden, you know, for a league game, something I'd never experienced yeah. before. Um, and we, I think Fraser Aird scored, and I think it was kind of late on, um, and you know Fraser Aird was somebody I, think, I don't know who Fraser Aird is at that point you know he was some he was like 16 or 17 and you know, kind of been thrown into the team and, and it was that moment of this could be interesting you know we maybe will build up this team of young players and, and by the time we get back to the top flight we'll have you know these guys with three or four seasons under them and you know it'll be like Man United when they brought through yeah. schools and, and and then the realisation later in the season, in the following season, that wasn't going to be the case. You know, we were buying Ian Black. Ian Black was a particular low point for me. I, Don't get me started on uh, Ian Black. That's a, that's a show Black. in itself. Yeah, I had an irrational loathing of Ian Black before he came to Rangers. And often, you know, Rangers have signed players before that I've been like, eh, not too sure about him. And they've won me over. Ian Black never won me over. No. Yeah, Ian Black lives in a cupboard with Kevin Kyle <laughs> in, in my you know, my darkest moments. It's a cupboard, it's a cupboard um, in Trinent, not far from Frankie, by the way. <laughs> and, um, high points, there was a couple. I remember this, I remember the Warburton's, seeing Warburton's first proper game, the, the, the cup game against Hibs. Hibs, yep. yeah. Um, the, the hub game, the, that game against Hibs when we won 6-2. And, and again, there's these guys playing, you think, I don't know who these players are. You know, I think that was the first time I saw Tav. Um, and there was the, the, um, there was three or four guys playing. And you're like, I, I, you know, I don't know who these guys are. I mean, we knew we'd signed them, but you didn't know anything about them. And suddenly this realisation that, oh, this is different. You know, suddenly we're, we're attacking and we we're fluent and, and we seem to know what we're doing. And, and there was that moment. We played Hibs again around Christmas time. And I went along um, and... It was a real end to end game. You know, it was it was a it was a proper game of football. It was a really exciting game of football. Cummings was playing for Hibs at the time. Um and I think they won three two. We, we ended up down yeah. to ten men. Um I think it was a holiday get sent off or or I can't I, I don't remember who it was, but but it was just I remember leaving elated. You know, it was it had just been entertaining and so there were moments. But actually the lowest I felt was Coutinho was when we appointed Coutinho and, and obviously it was a bit of a gamble and none of, none of us, well, I had certainly never heard him. I, don't think, I think the majority of people didn't know who he was. And I think him coming in and and realising, I, I remember we lost twice to Celtic and, and realising this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. You know, because when he lost the first game, you're thinking, okay, well, that's fine. You know, we're playing them again. Completely different tactics. Well, but, you know, are we just are we even, even more well up the second time? And, and this sudden realisation, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. This guy's going to kill us. 
Um, I, and I've never felt that way about a manager. You know, usually I'm a guy that defends. I mean, I was a guy who defended. Um, uh, you know, who, who's defended managers? You know, even when it's clear it's all over. You know, I've still defended them. I suddenly found myself turning on Coutinho, and I've never done that before. And that was actually probably the lowest I felt. But oh God, just when you think we've got it right, we've not. We're still, still we're not there. So yeah, but like you say, the journey or whatever we're calling it. Um, sometimes you need to you need to take the journey to to, to enjoy the view at the very end. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Ross, I, I, I'm keen to get your view on this because you, you're of an age, uh, you know, this sort of happened about 10 years ago, so I'd imagine you'd have been sort of late teens, early 20s. Get into that sort of period yeah. of your life when, when you should be enjoying being a Rangers supporter. You know, you should be going out celebrating cup wins at the prime of your, your years and all that kind of thing. And, and all of a sudden... You know, we're turning on up against Dallas with 10 minutes to go and we get beat 3 2. You know, and that's what you're having to deal with as a sort of a young man who should be in his range of support and playing. I mean, my 20s happened, you know, during the nine in a row years. It's just, just a hazy sort of Paul Gascoigne and Noel Gallagher's a sort of reminder of my uh, 90s. Whereas you've got Ian Black and, uh, you know what I mean? So. Fantaza. Fantaza. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, so how, how does it feel to now be through that and, and, and in a better position? Yeah, I mean, phenomenal. You're right. I was, um, February 2012, I was, I was 20 years of age. And it's, it's the age when, um, when I should have started going on my European trips and, you know, really enjoying going to the football, you know, in, in the adult sense, I guess. Um, and that was, I felt for a long time, I felt we were robbed of that. And I've made up for that, you know, the last few years. I've had some wonderful times and, and enjoyed it. And uh, But I remember when it all happened, I was, I was at university at the time. I was studying in, in, in Birmingham. And um, I, was in a, I was in a car with some pals um, going, to, I don't know, going to play five a side or something. And it was on the radio that Rangers had been placed into administration. And it was, it, it, for me, it, at that time, it wasn't a case of like, anger or sadness it was it was an embarrassment it's like when i was a kid we were a huge european force and now we're going into administration and then that kind of played through where folk my age living where i lived didn't really know anything about rangers anymore no didn't really care and that was that was really tough that was really embarrassing and you know we could talk about highs and lows i think a lot of my highs and lows of that time have been discussed my low point was standing in the Terrace at Fir Park, Terrace behind the goal at Fir Park, and Cammy Bell had thrown a ball into his own net, and uh, Lee McCulloch had been poked in the eye with a flag, and that kind of thing. That was my low point. But it, it got it beyond those, you know, on-field lows, all the off-field lows that got so low that it became funny, like the team launching the new kit, but we only ordered it in size triple XL, yeah, or Sandaza joining, and then a month later trying to engineer a move away and that phone call getting leaked all of that stuff where it was so bad it was funny and we look back on that now I know that I know the term banter used to be very divisive because it wasn't banter of course but um, yeah some really strange times I did for a long time feel a bit aggrieved that and this was my time I was meant to go and enjoy myself I was meant to be going on a piss up in Riga or wherever it is and and I you know I, I knew of people that got the, the, the bus from Glasgow to the game away at Victoria Zizkov. I was like, I, I want to get a bus to Zizkov. Now I'm about to turn 30 and I really don't want to get a bus to Zizkov. <laughs> um, but I felt that for a long time, like I missed out on all of that. So, yeah, I think I think my generation outside of Scottish football, the Rangers as a brand was damaged for a long time. And it's taken Stephen Gerrard coming in, it's taken the European results, and it's taken this season to restore that. Um I think I think we have. I've I've got one memory. I mean, I've, I've got more than one, but one stands out. Remember uh, about Forfar? It was a League Cup game early on. I, th- I think it was the, the the second season when we were in the the second division, and we were playing them in the League Cup, and they they, they eventually put us out. It went to extra time that Saturday, and they, they beat us two one. So I was sitting in the stand, and it was kind of mixed. There was Forfar fans in, and there was a few Rangers fans in, and, and somebody said something, and it, it got a bit tense. You know, you know, people weren't happy and all that kind of thing. So I, I said to the guy in front of me, he was a Forfar fan. I was like, because it was like, I don't know, 87 minutes or something like that. And it was one each. And I was like, does this go to a replay, mate? Or is, is it penalties? Or? 
he's like, oh, it's penalties. I says, oh, that's a relief. I says, because we've got some big European games coming up. <laughs> and that just sort of, everybody sort of calmed down again then, you know, it just sort of mellowed everything out. He sort of looked at me as if, I, fair enough, you're prepared to take it, you know what I mean? And it just calmed us all down. But I, I remember that day with some fondness because I was I was with uh, my match going buddy who's no longer with us anymore. And we had a, we had a Friday. We were in sort of fourth and high street with a lovely big Friday. And then we got beat, you know what I mean? And the journey back, all we did was laugh, you know what I mean? It just the absolute, how did we end up here? You know? <laughs> Driving back if you're fourth, stuff 2-1 and, and, you know, in the League Cup, playing in the second division. Uh, don't get me wrong, there was a lot, that, you know, it wasn't all a laugh, but I think sometimes you just had to take it like that, you know, just like, oh, where we are, where we are, we need to get on with it. But the what, main John, what, John, what John was saying about, um, about Cassino, uh, I was on holiday in Turkey, Um so it'll be July 2017 and Rangers were playing Progress and we found this bar that was showing the Rangers game. So my son and I, I said, right, come on, we'll go down and watch the Rangers game. And you know how you're on holiday, you, you see people and you wave to them and all the rest of it and there's maybe like one bar people are just sort of, sort of drawn to. So we turned up there and it was like quite a few different faces from the hotel and you're never quite sure again it could just be by chance they're there and it's a nice restaurant bar uh, they were in and um, Rangers are, Rangers were 1-0 down and lost a second goal and there was a wee lassie there with her, her mother and her brother and her brother's partner and when the second goal went in this, this wee, wee lassie just stood up and there was a table full of drinks and she just went fuck this and wiped the whole, <laughs> and wiped the whole table out with one sweep and I, and I turned to Callum and I said I think we know who she's supporting you know what I mean <laughs> but it was like it just showed you the passion was still there and it was getting you know it was getting very very hard to take some of the results yeah. that were coming around I mean we took so many punches in the face we really did I, 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 I said to somebody recently that we didn't have any teeth left you know we took so many kicks <laughs> in the teeth that we didn't have any teeth left to kick out but I, I think the main point is we got there and uh, you know I think that's made the uh, the journey you know what not worth it but it, it, it makes it that more special you know what I mean and I think that's been forgotten in the last week you know as Rangers supporters we took a bit of, bit of a kick in over the last week uh, some of it justified but some of it as, as we discussed earlier on you know blown way uh, out of proportion so I think always as, as Rangers supporters have, have been there supporting them over the last sort of you know five, six, seven years or whatever in the lower leagues and this journey back up. We need to congratulate ourselves on that because we've done well. We stood by the club uh, and we helped them get back to uh, where they should be and that's top of Scottish football. Guys, looking at the clock now, uh, I think we've ran over a wee bit so we'll, we'll, we'll call it quits there, I think. Uh, big thanks to Ross Bennett. Uh, Bennett? <laughs> <laughs> Ross Bennett, <laughs> one. Ross Bennett. <laughs> Dusty, Dusty Bennett. Bin. Oh, don't let's not go. To, we've had the Dusty Bin chat before, and that got me in trouble. So, <laughs> big thanks to Ross Bennett, Ian Duff, uh, John McCallum, Stuart Weir. Sure. Uh, big thanks for them tonight. But for the whole season, I'd say this is the last show of this season. So, big thanks for their contributions uh, for this season, and for everyone else uh, that's contributed in Jersey, David, uh, all the rest of them, uh, David Fraser. Uh, Frankie on the background doing the production. A big thanks uh, to them. And a big thanks to you guys for, for watching and listening as well. It's been a great season. We've got there. We've achieved 55. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you know you, you, you felt that we, we provided good content on the journey and that you'll join us again next season. Uh, so enjoy your summer, guys. Look after one another. Uh, and until next season, bye for now. <laughs>